TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by one of our favorites on The Wellness Guys, and she's just told me that she is a listener of The Wellness Guys, which is quite cool. We last had her on on episode 132, and I think she's been on at least three times on The Wellness Guys Show now. She describes herself as a straight-talking, ass-kicking, pump-you-up bestie you never had. She's on a mission to help beautiful people just like me, no, like you, step it up, (laughs) but more importantly, create the most vibrant, stunning, powerful version of your life possible and make you irresistible in the eyes of the person who matters most, you. So, Mel Ambrosini, welcome to The Wellness Guys Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be back. Oh, so much fun. That you, you may be the most prolific guest we've had on The Wellness Guys, I reckon. Oh, really? That's I think exciting. so. I think so. I don't think anyone else has been back three times. Oh, so there you go. I deserve like some sort of medal for I that. I think so. I think so. You've put up with us three times. It's amazing. So, Mel, you've been doing some great stuff since we saw you last. And, and you know, one of the things you talk about is calling people out on all the BS mean girl thoughts that are running through their mind. So, What have you been calling people out on in the last couple of years since we spoke to you last? Oh, my goodness. So I guess, you know, one of my biggest passions is helping people unlock their true potential and to live the life that they actually truly desire. And one of my roles is to help people realize that. And by calling them out on their negative fee-based limiting beliefs is where we have to start because we all have that egoic, fear-based, mean girl or bad boy voice inside our head that says that we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not muscular enough, we're not successful enough, we're not working hard enough, we'll never get out of debt, etc. We all have that fear-based voice and I help people realize that that is not their truth. The truth of who they are is love, and that is your birthright. But so many people live from that place of fear. You know, fear is driven into us from such a young age, but that doesn't have to be your reality. So, Mel, why do we all have that fear-based voice? Is there a purpose for it? Is there a reason that it's there? Is it sometimes a good thing, or is it just something that just should be avoided at all costs? No, it's absolutely a great thing. You know, I talk about making your mean girl your bestie, you know, turning that egoic fear-based voice into your best friend. It's not about killing the ego or smashing the ego. Everyone has an ego. It's not about killing it or smashing it. It's about using it as a guide to get back on your true path. You know, we are on a path of our truth, of love, and our ego, our Fear will try and detour us off our path. And it's our job to be so aware and conscious of that and be able to pivot and come back onto our true path quite quickly. So how do we develop that sort of awareness, Mel? How do we know when, you know, I guess the voices in our head are telling us things, you know, and how do we know when they're telling us things that are in our best interest or when they're telling us things that just kind of isn't relevant, that we don't need to listen to, that we don't need to... Um, you know, get stuck in perhaps that negativity or that fear, how do we know which is which? 
Well, there is only one voice. There's not voices. There is only one voice, and that is ego. That is fear. So I know some women are like, I've got 50 voices. No, you've got one. And you've only ever got two choices in every situation, love or fear. That's it. You've only ever got two choices. And when you actually realize that, that's quite relieving. I I feel like it's like, oh, okay. You know, sometimes when you're struck down by fear, you feel like you've got 55 voices in your head. You really only have one. And when you distill it down to only having two choices, it's very simple, love or fear. Okay, what would love choose in this moment? And this can apply to every single area of your life Mm. from the way you nourish your body. You can be doing it from a place of fear or you could be doing it from a place of love. You know, and for example, that for me in the past, I used to eat and not eat out of fear of what I looked like. I now eat because I love my temple so much that I love nourishing it and it makes me feel good. To how you move your body, you can be moving your body out of fear of what you look like and, you know, wanting to punish your body for overeating last night. Or you can move your body because, again, you love the way it makes you feel. And that was such a strong one for me. I used to flog my body at the gym you know, with the hopes and desires of looking like a Victoria's Secret model. And if I didn't, then I'd just beat myself up even more. Now I move my body because I love the way it makes me feel, not because I'm trying to change or fix or improve anything about myself. And, you know, the work that you do, you can do work that you love um, and or find the love in, or you can go to a desk that you absolutely loathe every single day and the people you surround yourself with and so on and so on. So everything comes down to one of two choices. And when you really understand that, this is what my whole book, Mastering Your Mean Girl, is about. It's about choosing love instead of fear, rewiring your internal GPS because our internal GPS system is set on fear for a majority of us. You know, fear is hardwired into modern society through marketing and all sorts of things, social media, but it's not your truth. And when you realize that, life starts to flow a lot more effortlessly. I love that, Mel. I think that's fantastic. I think you've just made that sound so simple, Um, sounds so easy. It's just a simple choice between two options, the love or the fear. And I think very often people don't understand that. And and maybe there's probably lots of people listening to this podcast who've gone on their own health and well-being journey, um, and they may find they may not understand that, but they also may find that people around them may not understand that. And, you know, often people will suggest that, you know, you're eating a certain way or you're exercising a certain way and that, you know, you're just denying yourself and you should just enjoy life and you should just, you know, go out and do whatever you want. But Sometimes they don't understand that that's exactly what you're doing, that you're actually loving yourself by, as you said, you're nourishing your body, by moving your body, by making your body a temple. So, um, you know, how do you, how do you get people to understand that? How do you get the people around you to understand the journey you're on? Don't try and get anyone to understand <laughs> the journey you're on because, you know, trying to... Trying to do that is, is going to exhaust yourself and, you know, like me, I gave myself chronic fatigue. Trying mm. to people please gave me chronic fatigue and I ended up in hospital, which I share in my book, that story. But it's not about trying to get anyone on board. 
the only way that you can inspire anyone else is by just being the example, you know, yep. with your kids, with your clients, with your friends, um, you know, unless someone has come to you and that inquiry is there and they've said, hey, I noticed that you have so much energy and passion and love for life. Can you please guide me? Then that inquiry is there so you can unleash on them. But to try and get someone who's not willing and open and receptive to digest where you're at is just like flogging a dead horse. <laughs> like it's, it's just, it's, I don't have time. Like yeah. I just don't have time. All right. So what we're saying is start with yourself, make yourself the role model, and then if other people are interested, then they'll come on board too. So when you're starting with yourself, where do we start on this journey? The best place that you can start is self-love. And I know that sounds so woo-woo and people probably rolling their eyes, but if you aren't bursting with love within yourself first, like out every single cell and pore in your entire body is not radiating with self-love, then you don't have anything to give. Like it's like mm. a car. Like if you don't fill the car up, you're not going to go, right? And if you don't maintain your car, if you don't get it serviced, if you don't wash the bird poo off it, it's going to stain the black paint, you know? So we've got to look after our vehicle. And by filling ourselves up with self-love, we are able to show up to the world as the best version of ourself and be of full service. Like you as a chiropractor, if you were out drinking, partying, smoking, drinking, eating McDonald's, you know, getting four hours sleep, taking Xanax, what kind of chiropractor would you be? Like, would you be the best possible mm. chiropractor you could be? Absolutely not. But I'm, I know you and I know that you put your health as a priority and I know that you look after yourself with your food and your movement and your nutrition and, you know, meditation. I know you do all of that stuff. And as a result, you can show up to the world as the best possible chiropractor and dad and friend and, you know, team player as possible. But we've got to make sure that we're putting on our air mask first before we help the person next to us. So why is that so tricky for people, Melissa? Why is self-love something that we have to, um, I guess, work on rather than just something that we innately are, have, be? Because we have all become gold medalist people pleasers. We, I watched my mother and my grandmothers and all the women around me become gold medalist people pleasers and that was something that, I learned and picked up, um, and it is hardwired into modern-day society to people please um, because we want to be liked and accepted and loved and approved of and appreciated. That's why we struggle with the self-love thing because it's like, mm. oh, no, but, you know, I've, I've got to do this. I should. I should do this. That word should comes up. I should do this to help other people. But that's all your mean girl. It's all your ego. And... You shouldn't do anything you don't want to do um, because that word should is coming from fear. Yeah, and I guess the reality is if you are doing all those things, people-pleasing, you know, it doesn't actually get you 
what you want at the end of the day anyway, does it? Like the, the things that you think you're going to gain from people pleasing, in the long run you don't actually gain. You would actually gain by self-love rather than people pleasing. Well, how's this? Exactly. You're right. How's this for a novel idea? Every time that you people please and say yes to someone else, you're actually saying no to yourself and you're actually doing them and yourself a disservice because you're showing up because you think you should. So you're not even fully there. You're only like 60% there because you don't really want to be there or do what you have to do. So that other person isn't able to have a real experience because you're only 50 or 60% there. And then you're not even having a real experience because you're only 50 or 60% there. So you're both just kind of having these inauthentic experiences, which is a time waster. Yeah. And and I think that's the thing, isn't it? it? It is an inauthentic experience for that person that you are not being real. You're not being truthful. And so often that can actually make it less of an experience for them. It can deny them the opportunity to to hear the truth and to get on board and to and to look after themselves as well. So, you know, whilst you think you may be helping them, then you may actually be doing the opposite. Exactly. That's exactly what you're doing. You're doing yourself and them a disservice. All right. So in your book, you talk about part two, you talk about living from love, you talk about being fabulously healthy. What does fabulously healthy mean for you, Melissa? Well, when I say the words fabulously healthy, that provokes a feeling within everyone and the feeling that it provokes within me may be different to the feeling that it provokes within you and whatever that feeling is that it provokes within you that's what it means for you but for me being fabulously healthy is a feeling like it feels good my cells dance I feel vital energetic you know I feel bursting and that is what I aim for in everyday life. And what do I have to do to feel fabulously healthy? Well, there's some things that I, ha- I need to do, all I not need to do, things that I like to do to help that process, to help me have that feeling fabulously healthy feeling from deep within. And there are things like, you know, meditation and nourishing my body and clean water and movement and sunshine and nature and those sorts of things really help me feel fabulously healthy you know what i like about fabulously healthy is it's not just not sick you know like Mm. so often in our society we just define health as well i'm not sick you know i don't have pain i don't have symptoms so therefore i must be healthy whereas Mm. fabulously healthy you kind of it sets the bar higher doesn't it it's not about surviving it's actually about thriving which is a real point of distinction exactly and a lot of people have a, a lot of um mean girl limiting beliefs around their health, especially if you've come from, I've noticed, you know, I came from chronic fatigue and things like Mm. that. And, you know, there was always this fear for many years that I'm never going to feel good again. Like I'm never going to feel energetic. Like am I ever going to wake up with energy ever again? And that was my mental mixtape. But when I started to change that internal dialogue by mastering my mean girl and following the steps that I talk about in my book, I was able to reprogram that internal dialogue and, you know, now I feel the healthiest and strongest I've ever felt and I'm constantly fine-tuning. Like I feel freaking incredible right now. But that doesn't mean I stop working on myself. That means work harder, like go the extra mile because I want to feel vibrant and healthy 
and fabulously healthy for as long as possible. You know, I don't want it to take a wake-up call and end up in hospital like I did back in 2010, which I share in my book. I don't want to get to that place again. Like this morning, I had to go get a blood test just because I'm, you know, fine-tuning. There's nothing wrong. I don't feel anything. I feel healthy and strong. But I went and got the blood test, and I was sitting in the pathology lab, and in, in this sterile environment, I just thought, yeah, work harder because I don't <laughs> ever, I don't want to be one of those people who ends up in hospital dying in hospital. I don't, I don't want to be one of those people. That environment is so uninspiring and does not light me up and does not radiate fabulously healthy one bit. So for me, it's like just keep doing all these things. And I find it fun. Like I, I love nourishing my body with great food. I love cooking. I love getting in the kitchen and experimenting. And I love meditating. I love moving my body. So none of these things feel like a chore for me. They're so innate. It's like brushing my teeth now. I don't even have to think about it. Well, Mel, it's obviously it's obvious that you're very passionate about this. And I know in your book you talk about the importance of passion and letting that drive you and direct you. So can you tell us a little bit about that? How do we go about really keying into that passion? Well, the first thing you need to do to unlock your passions is master that voice inside your head, your mean girl or your bad boy or ego, whatever you want to call it. Once we do that, you create space for your passions to come to the surface. And we all know what we're passionate about. We all know what we're passionate about. And it's our job to create space for them to really come to the surface. And the way that we do that is by sitting and taking time, actually taking time and going, well, what lights me up? Start doing more of those things that light you up or that feel good and stop doing the things that make you feel like crap. You know, doing those things that make you feel like crap over and over again, to me, is insanity. Like, mm. it's like banging your head against a wall. Um, but the best thing that you can do is, I have, and I have lots of people come up to me and say, well, I'm passionate about 15 things and I don't know what I'm passionate about. Okay, if that is you or if you're multi-passionate, great, so am I. I'm passionate about 15 things as well. But, um, you know, you take yourself through the exercises that I've got in my book. That's why I've got all these different inspo actions and different exercises in the book to help you really uncover your passions. Um, but get just start playing with them. Start doing. You know, if you're passionate about cooking, do more cooking. If you're passionate about yoga, do more yoga. If you're passionate about teaching, you know, go to a community center and just start teaching. You know, there's things that you can do, but you've got to create the space for that and start doing them. Don't try and your mean girl or your ego will want to know, okay, well, how am I, if I do that, how am I going to make money and will that support? No, I can't make money from that. I'm not smart enough for that. I'm not qualified enough for that. So your mean girl is going to pop up very severely when you start to follow your passion, but try and master your mean girl in that process and stay connected with what lights you up and what feels good instead. I love that. I love that. And I love that you've brought in the, you know, I'm, I can't make enough. I can't make a living doing that. Because the next thing you talk about in your book is being wildly wealthy. And I think 
you know, particularly in the health and wellness sphere, I think for a lot of people when they start talking about being wealthy, then that really sets off their main girl or their ego or whatever it is. Uh, because it seems like in health and wellness, wealthy can be a, almost a dirty word sometimes. People don't want to talk about money or finances or making money. They, you know, they say, I just want to help people. You know, I don't want to, I just want to get healthy. I don't want to worry about the money side of things. But it's an important part of it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And when I say being wildly wealthy, I'm referring to being wealthy and rich in every area of your life, like not just in your finances. Mm. I'm talking about being rich in your relationships, in your health, in your career, everything. So um, that's a really important distinction because, yeah, I want you to feel wildly wealthy in every single area of your life. And it's yeah, it's super super important, and I've just completely lost um, train of your question. What was it again? <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. I was just talking about wealthy. Like, is it the fact that I guess that it's okay to go towards wealthy? You know, yes. that that we shouldn't feel bad about being rewarded for doing what we love. Exactly. When I first started on this journey, I really struggled. You know, asking for payment for coaching and my talks because I was like, I just want to help. I just want to help. But at the end of the day, like I have rent to pay and I, ha- I have, it's an energetic exchange. And whether you use money as an energetic exchange or you use time or resources or something like that, in order for someone to value something, you have to have some form of energetic exchange. There has to be that, some for, that form of energetic exchange. And I talk about in my book about money being energy and redefining your financial success and your definitions of success is really, really important. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really powerful when you can stand in your truth and when you're bursting with self-love and say, well, this is what I offer and this is for how much and and I'm going to really own that. Yeah, and I think the self-love is the important part of it, isn't it? Because when you really do have that self-love, when you really do see the value in yourself, when you're really on purpose, then you see the value in what you're giving and so you're perfectly okay with people giving value back. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's just an energetic exchange, you know, there's, you know, in tribal days, there they wouldn't be money that they would exchange. There'd be that exchange, you know, like berries or um, some sort of resource. And um, it's the same here. You know, I've, I know there's times when I've been given things for free and I haven't valued them. You know, I've rocked up 10 minutes late or haven't really been fully present. Um, and it's so funny because then there's times where I pay a lot of money for something and I'm there 15 minutes early (laughs) and I'm, you know, it's, there has to be that energetic exchange in order for you to value what you are receiving. So let's talk about relationships, Mel, because they're obviously a big part of this, whether they're romantic relationships, whether they're, you know, family, whether it's work relationships, you know, your relationships with other people are crucial in your journey through your, through mastering your mean girl. So Tell us about relationships. How do we master our relationships, Mel? Well, all of our relationships are ultimately a reflection of ourselves. So every relationship is an opportunity for growth. And we can cultivate beautiful relationships when we're bursting with love, when we're overflowing with self-love. For so many years, I would blame, you know, my parents and 
um, other people for the way I turned out. But when we take self-responsibility for how we're showing up in every moment, um, you will really save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of stress because most of us just walk around and go, well, you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> and we point the finger, but every time we point the finger, there's three fingers pointing right back at us. So I think one of the best things that I've done and what I talk about in the book is about taking responsibility for how you're showing up in every single relationship. That will really free you. And it's very liberating because it takes the power off and away from the other person and back into yourself. I love that. That's fantastic, Mel. So um, I think that's so important. It's it's all about reflecting on it. But obviously, you know, relationships are two people as well. So I, I guess at some stage you have to make a decision about perhaps not necessarily changing the other person, but perhaps changing the people you're surrounding yourself with. I mean, does that come into play with the relationships as well? I don't actually think it's something that you need to focus on. I think what you need to focus on is just yourself. And when you focus on working on and filling yourself up and really getting all the areas of your life, your health, your wealth, and your love in alignment, you are naturally going to gravitate toward people in that same sphere. So it's not something that you necessarily need to consciously go and put your time and energy into. Use that time and energy to work on yourself instead. Don't worry about removing yourself from toxic people. Don't worry about um, you know breaking up with toxic friendships. Just focus all of your energy on yourself. Focus all of your attention on filling yourself up and being the best possible version of yourself and you are naturally going to raise your vibration and you will become a magnet for other people that are vibrating at that same frequency. That's cool. I like that, Mel. I think that's fantastic. Um, Now, you also talk in your book about the art of letting go and I reckon this one's an important one. I think this is one that that I need to work on, Mel. I, I think definitely some of the people-pleaser stuff you're talking about does resonate with me. And one of the things I've been really working on recently is is not doing that and is being able to say no and being able to let go of things that aren't working for me at the moment. So tell us about the art of letting go and why that's so important. Well, so many people talk about you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive this person. You've got to forgive yourself. And you've got to forgive, 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 forgive. But when we say we need to forgive, we're actually judging. We're actually saying that that person is wrong and we are right. And I, my aim in life is to live a judgment-free life. But from the moment we wake up, we are judging. We're saying, I'm fat. This is skinny. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm ugly. You're pretty. You know, we're constantly judging from the second we crack open our eyes. That was a shit sleep. That was a good sleep. Um, I, you know, we're constantly judging and my aim in life is to live as judgment free as humanly possible, right? By saying I need to forgive someone is saying that I'm judging them. I'm saying that they're wrong and I'm right. And essentially I don't want to live like that. So my, like I talk about in the book, there's, it's, it's about reframing forgiveness and to letting go. It's about letting it go. You know, if someone hurts you, don't judge that as wrong. You know, go through whatever it is you need to go through. 
feel whatever it is you need to feel. Feel the anger, the frustration. By all means, fully feel all of those emotions. But then it comes a point where you've grieved and got angry enough where you can make, this comes back to taking self-responsibility, you can make a decision, okay, I'm going to let this go now. I'm going to consciously make an effort to let this pain go. I'm no longer wanting to hold on to it. That's awesome. That's great, Mel. You've dropped so many truth bombs in this episode. There's been so much great stuff. I'm sure people have taken so much out of this. So if people, we're out of time. So if people want to find out more about you, they can obviously head to your website, melissaambrosini.com. They can check out the Mastering Your Mean Girl website, masteringyourmeangirl.com. They can find you on social media all over the place, Melissa Ambrosini Tribe, on Instagram, Melissa Ambrosini, on Twitter, Mel underscore Ambrosini. I actually, I tagged you on Instagram this morning, Mel, because I actually saw your book as I was walking through the bookshop on my way to do this interview. It was amazing. Talk oh, about coincidence. Sign, hey? I know. It was just meant to be. So speaking of the book, people can obviously find that on your website, Mastering Your Mean Girl. Um, and they can find the 10-week activation program. Do you want to talk just very briefly about that, Mel? Yeah, so as you'll see in the book, there's inspo actions throughout the whole book, and that's to really help you implement what you've learned because reading it isn't enough. And I created the 10-week activation program because there's 10 chapters, 10 weeks. I created that because... Nothing changes if nothing changes. And you can read a book or listen to a podcast and go, yeah, that was inspiring. That was amazing. Wow, that was an amazing podcast. But if you're not willing to put in practice the new habits, nothing changes if nothing changes. So that, again, to me is insanity, like expecting, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So that's why I created the 10-week activation program. It is to help you implement everything you have learned in the book and really put it into practice in your everyday life. Um, I've also created the Mastering Your Mean Girl, uh, 10 Mastering Your Mean Girl meditations. So again, 10, 10 chapters, 10 meditations. The 10 guided meditations are there to really complement each chapter so you could read one chapter and then do chapter one meditation or you could read all of them, whatever feels good for you. But the meditations are really beautiful. I worked with this amazing sound engineer in India to create the sound technology to help you drop into a transcended state very, very quickly. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being on board, Mel. I'm sure we'll have you again on board sometime soon. Maybe for the next book. Yeah. So in the meantime, make sure you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the wellness guys, and tell us what you thought of this episode. Share this podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and give us a comment. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. Awesome. Thank you, Mel. That was awesome. Thanks, darling. So lovely to chat to you as it's always. It's great. Some really good stuff in there. People are going to love that. Oh, good. Yeah, that's awesome. Please make sure you let me know whenever you're next in Sydney. Yeah, we, I've been to Sydney for ages, actually. So I'm, I'm due for a trip to Sydney. But I don't know yes. where I'm coming next. But it's been a while. Yeah, you'll have to let me know. I'd love I, to catch up. I definitely will. That sounds great. All right. All right, I better run. Thank you, Mel. 
great to have you and You're i will i'm sure i'll chat to you on social media sometime soon but hopefully i'll chat to you in person sometime soon too all right you take care all right catch ya. bye darling this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.